0: Welcome to the Baseball America podcast. Baseball America, bringing you baseball news you can't get anywhere else for more than 35 years. Now it's time to talk baseball.
1: Welcome everyone to another edition of the Baseball America podcast. We are joined here, J.J. Cooper and John Manuel. And yes, we are succumbing to what is being discussed. This is where baseball news you can't find anywhere else. This is, today we'll call it, and we would hope that this is a look at the Tim Tebow signing that you won't find anywhere else. Yes, we know that you can get Tim Tebow news everywhere. But we actually are going to try to look at it from the standpoint of, of kind of the logistics, how this works for a team, all that. Right. And so with that, John, I will start with, I think we probably should put you know, our views on the table to start with, which is, is neither of us fits into the this is a disaster for the game, this is terrible, this is horrible, how could baseball do this?
0: Yeah, I just don't, I guess I don't quite understand. The part I understand of why people are upset about it, the ones who are upset, is they just don't like Tim Tebow, period. And I guess I understand that. I've tried so hard over the last few years to totally detach myself from football. But, you know, Tebow hasn't played for the last three years. So I remember when he played football, I remember thinking, what is the deal with this guy? Like, you know, why was there so much hullabaloo? Um, I, there, so know, there's two, a or, two words
1: for that. I'm not saying it's all of it, but and uh, two words that I generally try to not retweet, not mention, but Skip Bayless. Yeah, that's part. <laughs> I mean, it's basically yeah. you have someone who literally.
0: Yeah, ESPN really like hit, with with hit, Skip Bayless, and what was that show called? Uh, First they, Take. For- First take. That show really hitched its star to the hey, Tim let's Tebow argue debate. Hey, let
1: Tim Tebow every day.
0: And it, and it, it did. I mean, it was like almost empirically proven by that Deadspin article that, yeah, they went. They realized, hmm, when we talk Tebow, ready So to I guess go? there is a Brady's go up. So there there was this visceral reaction to Tim Tebow signing with the Mets. I didn't have that reaction until right before we recorded the podcast when you rep- told me that a he signed for a hundred thousand dollars. Which we both business.
1: think is. Beyond, I guess that's
0: the most that you can get in your bonus pool. That was the <laughs> most they
1: had in their bonus pool to give him without the penalty. I do not – that's the part I do not understand. I would
0: have given him $1 and said, like – Or I would have said, here's $100,000, but take it out of your fees for the SEC network. And that's part two, that he's still going to take those Saturdays off, basically, and go My, to SEC network. Right. I mean, who knows Because he I'll...
1: works during the week. I mean, he talks – you know, and – now, I will say, this is, if we're talking only Instructs, Instructs, th- this is where I wanted to start with, because this is something that you don't get everywhere. Instructs is a different bird.
0: Yeah, an extended spring training or minor league spring but, but training. Really, but really, but right
1: now, because right now what we're talking about is, is if he's leaving during the season, even an extended, to go away and, sh- and do stuff, that's, to me, an even further... That's like, okay, right. you're not serious about this. Yeah,
0: I can't... I, I but, really,
1: but in Instructs, because, John, you've been, you know... A couple Instructs, times. And Instructs is different than almost any other form of what minor league baseball is. It what is. What is Tim Tebow going to be doing? Because Tim Tebow, right now, the only thing we know he's going to do is he's going to Instructs.
0: If he misses one game a week in Instructional League to go to Charlotte or wherever the SEC... Ter- uh, SEC network is located. That really wouldn't be the worst thing in the world to me because um, you, Tim Tebow could make up for it on Thursday and Friday leading up to when he's going to be gone. Hey, you know we're going to have Tim Tebow get six at bats today, so he's going to lead off every other inning, uh, or he's going to lead off uh, every inning every right? inning for until the sixth through the sixth inning. You can do that in instructional league. If We're going to put he, Tim Tebow
1: on first base at saying, the start if, of every if inning if so think, he can work on base stealing.
0: Exactly. If you think he needs it, you can go play that inning. Uh, it is kind of like extended spring where you do see on the backfield in spring training, hey, this inning, Jason Wirth is, is on the minor league backfield, and he's going to lead off every inning of, of this game. I've, this, I, in know, fact,
1: I've actually seen Jason Worth do that. <laughs> yeah, I saw
0: it last spring myself uh, in, uh, in Brevard County. So so you can do those kind of things in extended spring or in instructs. The th- normally, the game, you they're can. not even games, right? I mean, that's like the- they keep score, but there's no standings. They keep stats, but there's no they're not posted. So everything's evaluated, and I'm sure that there might be some TrackMan data or some pitch effects data they might get on him. Batted ball data, Statcast. Mm-hmm. You know that that they could get that if they want to this in instructional league. They could get data, but it's not usually that stuff doesn't get publicized. That's the difference with Tim Tebow. Everything will be publicized. I mean, we made fun of his pants from his workout, you know, because there was so much video and so much coverage of it. So the pod, the benefit the Mets could get out of signing Tim Tebow is they could get some positive press from fans who are pro-Tebow. They could get some money out and, of Tebow and, and jerseys. And,
1: and this is a team. I mean, I do think one of the key things with this is whoever was going to sign them was likely to be a team that has spring training in Florida, not right. Arizona. Right. I mean, because... Tim Tebow is yeah. Florida Gator football. So. Absolutely.
0: He really, I mean, basically what the Mets did was they signed hashtag Florida man.
1: But he has, he's a little cleaner
0: living than Florida man. But that, that, would, be my, that would be my headline, Mets sign Florida man.
1: Because um, he is a Florida man. And the Mets have not only spring training there. They have, obviously, their extended springs there. But also their high class A team, St. Lucie, right. is there and is owned by the club.
0: Right, so you know maybe this digs them a little bit out of uh, the hole the Wilpons are in financially. Probably isn't the whole part of the plan. By, by the way, I it's just looked part. this up:
1: fourteen hundred per game for uh, Saint Lucie this past year. If Tim Tebow what was that be- second or third of the Florida State League, middle of the pack, but okay. the the, but the the top end of the Florida State League is not that high above that. Right, and it is fair to say, if Tim Tebow ends up in Saint Lucie next year, and I don't think right now it is a sure bet that Tim Tebow will play a full minor league season. I, I don't think that you can in any way feel confident that that's going to happen. But right. if he does, and he's in St. Lucie, which, I'm mean, again, let, trying to treat this from a developmental standpoint, yeah. that you've got to push him.
0: Yeah, exactly.
1: He, is he probably ready for that? No. But you can't really say, hey, this next year is a 29-year-old. Our hope is at the end of the year you'll be ready for some time in Brooklyn. You could, right? But then okay, well, so next year you're going to go from Brooklyn as a to Columbia. Yeah, that
0: would be really the point. Like, really, and that, I mean the only there aren't very many comparable situations for this, JJ. So I think I always end up going back to the way the White Sox did this with Michael Jordan, and you know Michael Jordan had played less baseball than Tim Tebow, and is six foot six, Tebow is six three. Jordan is looser <laughs> than than Tebow. Yes, much. I think I might be looser than Tebow. Probably not, but um, that dude's six three and a heavily muscled two 6'3 and, and jacked. Yeah, totally pumped and jacked. And you know he really needs to spend it feels like the next six months just get loose after instructs. You know that's that should retraining his body for a baseball body um, would be a, a a big step for him. I would imagine to really see what we've really got, but. He just needs reps. So instructional league—that's why it's so surprising that he would go play football, do the not play football, do the SEC network thing. Because any reps that he loses is a bad idea. I well, think he I the, feel like the, needs. The reps. the tough
1: call after this is, is that Sandy Alderson even said after that, you know, maybe AFL, maybe winter ball. And obviously, there's already an, an offer out there from at least one. Uh, I think it was Laguardia has offered him for a winter ball. Mm-hmm. There's the thing that I'm interested with that. AFL, if you are over your head in the grand scheme of things, it matters not at all. Right, Mm -hmm. unless
0: you're Tim Tebow, where everyone will notice. But still, But still, you are allowed to fail. Corey Seager, Seager, two years ago, after his low A season, went to the Fall League and stunk on toast. Mike Trout It didn't exactly. Mike
1: Trout, I gasped Mike Trout after playing in the big leagues, goes to the AFL, and it was one of the worst stretches Mike Trout's ever had as a pro. He could go there, and he could go over,
0: right? And right.
1: no one's getting fired. No, you know they're not making a change with the manager, you know, for the Segueros or anyone. I right? Mean, that's not going to happen.
0: That's not how winter ball in Latin America rolls. In
1: I, I can <laughs> you can't go in. In a lot of these winter leagues, I, players know. I mean, that you are something where an an O for ten stretch. Maybe okay. Well, I'm out of the job. That's right. If you're a manager in these winter leagues, a lot of times I'm it's lost something two in a row. where yeah, 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 I was going to say so and so on their third manager right. of the month. That's right. I mean, this is something where this is high pressure, and I don't see because as much as Tim Tebow may be a draw, I don't see him being that much of a draw in winter ball yeah. compared to the main thing in winter ball is you're trying to win.
0: Yeah, the only winter ball situations that make any sense for me, from in my opinion, are a Puerto Rico. Just because that league needs attention, it could that that league needs financial help, and you know it's closer to Florida. I assume that there's if there's anywhere we're going to have more cultural overlap. It would be in the one winter ball league that is a Commonwealth of the United States. B the one that makes sense is Australia. Australia makes all kinds of sense because Australia's league is so long. It's not officially affiliated with MLB anymore. But it's but it, you know last I just was talking to a manager who uh, coached in Australia last year, and he said, yeah, he went. Uh, m- full season uh, minor league baseball, took a week off, instructional league last year, two weeks off, Australia league, one week off, right back into the regular season, uh, to, to spring training. So if you want the maximum reps,
1: you well, would go to Australia. Not only you want the maximum reps, but Australia is a league where...
0: And the cal- caliber of competition also.
1: <laughs> the caliber of competition lower. is lower, and not against Australia, it's just the reality of it, and... A league that also, from a financial standpoint, you're not going to. It would draw more attention in the U.S. and yes. maybe there's some. You sell some. You sell, sell some
0: subscriptions to, to to stream the games. That's what right. you do. You know, you sell and the Northwoods League can stream their games. You, you
1: sell you sell some jerseys. You yes. know, some hats in the U.S. things like that, Tebow jerseys and all that. Right. But that is the odd part of this is that the timing of this in some ways. I've said this before on the podcast, it feels like a weird timing for this because... I agree. Not that you don't work on building up for baseball if you're Tim Tebow, if this is your dream. And again, I'm not going to get into the motivations. I'm not feel, I do not feel comfortable. I know he's selling autographs, baseball stuff and all this. Maybe it is just a marketing Is he already board. doing that? Yeah.
0: But, but at the same time... The deal with Adidas, don't forget that part. Yes.
1: But at the same time... If it's just a marketing ploy, this is a pretty poor idea of a marketing ploy from the standpoint of baseball is a game that it is guaranteed if Tim Tebow gives this half an effort, he's going to be embarrassed on the field. Right. Because Tim Tebow is going to be far behind the guys he's competing with. No doubt. And so Michael Jordan, it was not a ploy for anything. It takes something to go out there and go 0 for 4 with three strikeouts, right. and then the next day go, I'm stepping back on the field again and I'm going to do this again.
0: Yeah, The only one, the only ones who think it was a ploy uh, are the conspiracy theorists in the NBA who think that Stern made him leave for a yeah. year or so. If you've heard of Bill Simmons' podcast over the last 10 years, you've heard that conspiracy theory. Um, I'm with you, don't. I, th- I think Jordan did it out of some love for the game. I generally think that's mostly why Tebow's doing it, but there are these ancillary parts, the Adidas thing, the autograph stuff. that well, I don't think he's doing this just to keep his name out there. I think it's, partly, it's, a bad I idea, think it's but, partly. But I think his ego is such that that part needs to get stroked no matter what he's doing.
1: The other thing, the other misconception that I, that I feel like is out there that I did want to address was when, we, when you talk about, you're, you're seeing today, he's taking the job from someone who's more deserving. Yeah. He's taking away a job from someone who could, who could be, a big leaguer. And instead, if he makes, if he ever makes, an instructor not taking anyone's job. Right. But if you make full season, if you make a team next year, you're taking a job. And the, the bucket of cold water that I hate to throw on this is, <laughs> and we've talked about this me and you over and over is, in the, in the office is, when you talk about short season ball low-class A, even high-class A, there are players on every one of those teams whose entire job is you have to have a 24, 25-man roster right. so that the prospects can play. Absolutely, you're, you, there, you're, you're cannon fodder in some ways. If you look at the numbers, like, okay, take the Brooklyn Cyclones, which that's the, the Mets short-season club. Let's say that he goes to Brooklyn next year. Of, I looked this up today. Of the ninth of the eighteen position players that they had last year who played for Brooklyn, more than a third of them, that's the last time they ever played affiliate baseball. Not a year later not they a were, good retention rate. Right. And that's not unusual. That's just the reality of it is so I don't understand why he gets a hundred thousand dollars. I don't understand that from the standpoint of I don't see that the Mets are going I guess you could say from a financial standpoint. They may sell enough merchandise to make up for that or something, but I don't see. I, it's was a there a bidding one. war? I, I, I mean, agree.
0: It's a it's a vexing one be the, obviously the only other team I can I remember hearing about that had expressed interest was the Braves.
1: I mean, I know there are other teams out there who are at least interested, but generally interested in a situation like this isn't will give you a, a, yeah. a significant hundred thousand dollar signing bonus for a non drafted free agent puts Tim Tebow crazy enough among the top non-drafted free agents of this year. It There's no much, T.J. Ferdell. Exactly,
0: but, but that money was already... I mean, the, the Rays had a lot of money left. They, they decided not to... Because they were in the bidding war for T.J. fordell they decided not to spend it on T.J. The, the Reds
1: were out of it at this point because they spent their money on Fordell. Right. They couldn't go, you know.
0: It would have almost made more sense for the Rays. That's an organization that's just desperate for positive attention. Uh, if anyone could fill up that, uh, if he eventually got to the major leagues which I think the chances of that are very, very slim. I I, but I will say this.
1: I don't think that they're zero. No, they're not zero. I definitely don't think I don't think known. that this is like, that's one thing. I've been thing. on
0: enough radio shows about that where people say, he has no chance. It's like, well, no, we don't know that.
1: Let's watch him He play. has legitimate
0: power. And that's the other part of it that isn't a fluke is he does have, how can you watch the video of the workout or his BPs and not see the strength in his swing? I mean, he clearly has actual power potential. And at 6'3", he's more likely to get to it than someone who was 6'6", like Jordan. That was, that was Again, I keep making that comparison. That's what I had in my Twitter, at, at John Manuel V.A. I had that poll. I've been trying to find it. I can't find it in my own Twitter. Um, but to me, um, that's why the Mets do this, really, is that they do have some thought that he could actually produce power and get to his power. And I don't know how likely it is, but, but when you I you not say-
1: rule it out. I mean, and the reality is, again, when you say, okay, uh, he could get to the power. Let's say that there's a .01% chance that he's a big leaguer. Well, again, that .01% chance is equal or greater than some of the players that the Mets drafted and signed this year.
0: Exactly. Again,
1: you you always hope that a guy is going to exceed your expectations. But there are guys who are drafted this year by every team who... If the scout who signed them was given truth serum, they would say, no, I don't think this guy's a big leader. Abs-
0: absolutely. Oh, absolutely. There's 40 rounds of drafts. So I, I mean, a lot we of...
1: both have seen a lot of yeah. low-level minor league baseball. And again, look, the, the worst players that you see on a minor league baseball field are really good baseball players.
0: Exactly. That's
1: the why they're there. That's right. But you will see, if you go to a Class A game, I promise you, you will every night at a Class A game, you will see players who have literally no hope. Right. They do not have the skills that are needed, the tools that are needed to be big leaguers. And they know it. And a lot of times they even know it. Yes, a lot of times, sometimes they don't, but a lot of times they do. And they know, you know what? I love playing baseball. They haven't told me to stop yet.
0: That's right. That's right.
1: I mean, you you have guys at the end. You have veterans, and I mean veterans, 23, 24, 25-year-olds, in class A, who at the end of the year know this is probably it for me. Right. Like, I know that when I go to spring training next year, if I make it to spring training next year, it's unlikely that I'll be invited back. You know, to, I'll actually make a team. Exactly. And they're doing it because, again, I'm a pro baseball player. They gave me the opportunity. I'm not stopping this until someone tells me. I,
0: w- I would rather do this than get a real job.
1: And no, they, they love the game. That's right. You know, and, and I mean, it's funny, like this ties in with a story I did a couple of days ago. The Cardinals called up, just called up, Jose Martinez. Yeah. Who, I, Jose Martinez is a guy, now this is again why Tebow, you know, why you give guys like Tebow a chance. Jose Martinez was released, well not released, excuse me. He was a minor league free agent that no one called.
0: And he was a White Sox top 10 prospect long ago, correct? Like when he was 2007. In right. Long ago is long ago.
1: Clayton Kershaw, all those guys were like, those were the guys who were prospects at the time. Clayton right. Kershaw, Andrew McCutcheon, guys like that. Well, Jose Martinez is a guy right. who at that point was a prospect, blew his knee out.
0: That was also, I believe, like... Not it, was the bottom, thin, it was a but thin. It thin Sox. White Sox. I that it, it, may have to, been the year To that him Phil to be Rogers, a top
1: ten prospect. He was a top ten prospect, and he had yet to play full season ball. That
0: may have been the year that Phil Rogers also did like an epic like five hour chat, like in, in his house in Chicago. He was on his deck or he was on vacation. I seem to recall that he did our White Sox list that year and did uh, just one of the most epic chats in BA history. But um, shout out to Phil.
1: But. He was a minor league free agent who no one called, so he went to the right. indie ball. Eventually, the Braves called, said, hey, we've got a job in high A. This is the guy who spent the last three years in double A. He took the job in high A. If you're a 25-year-old, 26-year-old in high A, you are not a priority. Pr- you, are not, you are not on the path to the big leagues. But then the next year, he ended up a Royal. He goes to triple A because they get a couple of promotions, so he's a filling guy. He hits over three eighty there, sets a PCL batting champ record, batting record for modern era, you know. It was the
0: Miles Straw of twenty fifteen Exactly. Terms of batting championship.
1: And then this year he gets rewarded from that with a call up. Now it's probably all he's gonna have. You know, he may never play in the big leagues again, but if he doesn't, he's a big leaguer. That's why a lot of these guys do this. You never know what's gonna happen.
0: Well, JJ, my favorite part of that, and I'll wrap up my part of the podcast, is that he got called up. Not the year that he hit 380. No. It was the next year. Because if he gotten called up last year, he was with the Royals, right? He was in Omaha. Could have been around. Could have gotten the playoff share or something. Could have gotten maybe a look at the trophy. Could have said, "Ah, oh, I was on that team in September." Uh, but obviously, it was close for the Royals, and oh, it wasn't close for them getting in the playoffs last year, was it? Then they run away with the division.
1: I mean, but it's shocking. But, but he wasn't later, on their 40 man last year at that time, right? But it just, it just and they it ended up making and they put him on it later. That's what's weird. That's the thing. That's the everything
0: about Jose Martinez's story is weird, but that to me is the weirdest part. The weird, right? He gets called up when he's having a perfectly a normal, normal Jose Martinez season, season, not the year where he hits 380. John
1: Lindsay, when he got his cup of coffee, it was the year that John Lindsay went. Hey, I'm going to hit 370 this That's year. That's right.
0: I'm going to take advantage of Albuquerque to the fullest extent of the law. So, well, yeah. not not that quite. He wasn't he didn't go uh, Walter uh, Walter White on you, but no, he, he 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 hit 380 with power. But uh, the Tebow story is, um, you you can't not talk about it. Is that, that's the problem with it. He is such a polarizing guy, JJ. If we're a polarized <laughs> society. So, hey, hey, why not be polarized about uh, Tim Tebow again? Too?
1: The, the thing that I say is is the the benefit for if you're a baseball fan who is completely sick of Tebow, the one benefit that may come out of this is you may see live, you know, streaming yeah. of. Instruct games. Or, Arizona, and, or
0: Australian Baseball League games. And,
1: and Well, that already happens, though. But Instructs, no one... Australia, really? Oh, yeah. I've watched Australian games. All
0: right. I, I assume Tyler bond on the call.
1: I, I do believe he may have okay. been, actually. But Instructs games, which never you never see otherwise. And so you may get some video of... You may see other prospects who'd be interesting to see, even if you don't have any interest in Tim Tebow.
0: My instruct story always is uh, 1998 Instructs, because I've been to one in Arizona. But uh, in 1998 in Florida Instructs... Uh, where the shortstop for Ramon Santiago and Rafael Fercal in the game, both of them long gone from the big leagues now. But uh, the pitcher stepping off the mound and the whole, bo- both sides watching as this uh, space shuttle with John Glenn on it took off from Cape Canaveral. We could see it from, from Lakeland. That was pretty cool. So Kyle Glazer's is going to join JJ and talk a little bit more minor leagues. I think.
1: I don't know. I haven't talked to Kyle. Oh, uh, he said, no, he okay. tweeted, he's on. Okay. And,
0: uh, but thank you for the time, JJ.
1: And now we're back and now we are joined j.j cooper still here john is headed off but we brought in kyle glazer and kyle and i are going to talk uh, if you go to baseballamerica.com this week in the magazine that we are sending to press now that has all the uh, final stats for all the minor leagues and we also have our minor league all-star team we're not announcing yet who our 2016 minor league player of the year is we will give you one hint He's going to be on the 2016 minor league all-star team. We don't name players of the year and don't put them on the team. So I would hope so. You know, hey, second team for the all-star team. But he was player of the year. So if you are looking for a little hint, you will, you know, they are, our player of the year is on the minor league all-star team. One of these 15. One of these 15 really helps narrow it down. But Kyle, I mean, when I look at this team, when you look at this team, the first question I guess would we'll start with is is hitters or pitchers, which are you more impressed with, you know, as far as
2: the seasons that we had this year in the minors. For me it's the hitters, I think across the board. You look at what David Dahl did, what Tyler O'Neill did, what Alex Bregman did, what Yohan Mankata did. I mean all these guys just zoomed up their levels, you know, they all made huge jumps. And then you even take into account some guys who didn't make our teams. I mean, even in the Hunter Renfro's of the world, mm-hmm. there's been a lot of guys throughout this year who really made a jump, whether it was in their approach, their their swing and miss rates, their power output. I mean, I feel like we saw so much development from so many different hitters this year. I don't know, maybe it's just me, and and there's probably some more numbers out there on this, but I felt like we had less of the premier hitters do kind of the big drop-off this year. I felt like a lot of the guys who we had questions about, like a Tyler O'Neill, after, you know, striking out 32% of the time uh, at Bakersfield last year, made the jump and made it really really well. I felt like that to me just seemed like a common theme throughout the year as we did our mid-season prospect rankings and these minor league all-star teams.
1: Oh, I agree. I think the flip side of that is just that this was not a great year. You look at just like last year, last year Blake Snell was our 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 player of the year. You know, and there wasn't anyone this year in the minors on the pitching side I felt like who had that kind of that kind of dominant year. Partly maybe that's because some guys were called up. I mean,
2: you know, saw like Glass get called up. Jengs get called up.
1: Giolito was up for a while. Uh, Hulu Urias, you know, came up. All that, but I think the other part of it is, is just that. You know, it's not. I mean, overall, it's not. The 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 miners are not as stacked with prospects right now as they have been. I'd say in the last couple of years. I, I would say right now, you're just a warning that your 2017. We've had so many guys move so fast. Your 2017 top hundred is going to be thinner than your 2016 top 100, which was thinner than your 2015 top 100. Um, but the other thing is, is on the pitching side, the pitchers who really stood out to me this year were generally guys who, Mitch Keller had a great year. Mitch Keller was in low A for most of the year, came up to high A the very end of the year. A low A pitcher is going to have a really hard time. You know, it, it's, 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 you, The standard to be dominant is much higher for that than it is a guy who's facing double A, triple A talent. Double A, triple A, the guys who had great years this year were more guys who were good pitchers than they were that combination of really great stuff. Some of the guys who were dominant in some ways, I mean, Jose de Leon was dominant at the end of the year. Jose de Leon didn't pitch until, he missed a month and a half of the season and he missed a little bit more time later than that. He had a great finish to the season. Again, Tyler Glass as you said, he was up, he was down, he was hurt.
2: Jose Barrios. Jose Barrios. Yeah,
1: I mean, yep. and and when he was up, he was wasn't good. It was still. That's that's a baffling one to me. Not that we expected Jose Barrios to step in and be a big league star or anything like that. I mean, he's really. I think our reports have always kind of projected him more as a a future three slash four. But I, I can't think of anyone who had more of a disconnect over a relatively extended by prospect standards. Uh, Trial. Triple A, Jose Barrios is still Jose Barrios, yeah. you know, and then he goes to the big leagues, and it's the tough. next good Jose Barrios start will be like his third good Jose Barrios start.
2: You know, it's interesting. Uh, I have a story coming out uh, with Blake Snell mm-hmm. that you can look forward to later this week. We talked about that a little bit where, you know, a lot of these times, you know, intuitively that, yes, there's a jump between Triple A and majors, but for a lot of these pitchers, you know, I'm hearing the same thing. They say, you know, I almost didn't give the Major League hitters enough credit just because of how smart they are. You can't just throw your best pitch. You have to know why you're throwing it, the situation you're throwing at the because these hitters, even the guys we talk about, oh look at that raw talent, they're so incredibly advanced and they know what these pitchers are these young pitchers are trying to do with them. And uh I love Blake Snell's line and, and I made sure to include this in the story, quick teaser. You see, you know, there's no big poppy in AAA. A. There's no Miguel Cabrera in AAA. A. And you know, these guys who can hit your best pitch and hit it a long way, mm-hmm. and that's just something that, you know, I think a lot of times we hope for, it, the Jose Fernandez type come up and just dominate right away, but in reality, that's, that's once every, I mean, you see that, and then you probably have to go back 20-some years to Doc Gooden, maybe 30 years even, I mean, I mean that mm. level, maybe there's a guy or two in between. I was going to say,
1: there's probably a guy, but it is something, it's, it's quite it, rare. It, it,
2: it's not, you don't get three of those guys a year who jump in there to the majors and just dominate right off the bat. It, it, it takes time. I,
1: it's funny when you mentioned his big poppy. I remember talking to a scout about a game a few years ago, a big league game, and, and David Ortiz is at the plate. And he said, this is the thing that you see at the big league level you'd never see anywhere else. He was convinced that Ortiz deliberately missed a pitch and looked bad doing it. Just to mess with him. Just so that he would get that pitch in a later situation and I know Greg Maddox is something where Greg Maddox would do that on occasion. Like, okay, I'm going to throw this now to give a hit because then later I'll be able to use that against him. It's, it, you know, we just had uh, recently Jonathan Holder came up to the big leagues having just finished and an, a reign of terror <laughs> through AAA, a 45-0 to strikeout to walk over his last, I can't remember how many outings, he finishes it with the second, I think it was the 2nd last outing in AAA. He strikes out 11 in a row after coming into the game. He strikes out 12 of the 13 batters he faced. It should have been he threw re- recorded 12 outs. The one guy that reached was because the guy hit a pop fly in the infield and the catcher and first baseman stood there and looked at each other and it dropped, which just gave a chance, I mean, Holder a chance to get one more strikeout. Holder comes up to the big leagues. Second outing he has in the big leagues. Again, this is a guy who hadn't walked a guy in essentially two months. And he's facing the Blue Jays in a key situation. And they kind of throw him out there into the fire. And he's facing Bautista and Donaldson. And what happens? Walks him. And he walks them. And it's not because he walks them because he was wild.
2: They don't chase.
1: They don't chase the pitches that everyone in AAA was chasing. And so all of a sudden, he's not missing by much, but he's missing. And boom, the bases are loaded and the Yankees are in trouble. That's just that difference. I mean, it's like, and if you're Jonathan Holder, who, fine prospect, but 92 to 94, maybe touch a five fastball, a good curveball, but it's a it's a slower curveball. It's one that, that works really better. It's, it's, it's one you can get some swing and misses, but it's more of a you hope that you drop it in and they don't swing at it because it locks them up kind of pitch. Got a slider, but again, it's not like a, you know, oh, you can't hit that slide He doesn't have a pitch that is a absolute, I don't care who you are, I throw this pitch, you're not going to hit it kind of pitch. He may have a fine career, but he just got that example of the stuff that worked for me in AAA isn't going to work for me necessarily in the big leagues. And that happens time and time again.
2: And, you know, on the flip side, you look at Jose De Leon, who didn't walk anyone in his final run up in AAA, mm-hmm. gets to the majors, his debut outing, nine strikeouts, no walks. And I think one of those interesting things is you can get swings and misses in the strike zone. That's one of those mm-hmm. big separators that once you're watching guys in double A and triple A that you need to kind of look for as a little bit of a tip-off. Are you getting the swings and misses they're chasing out of the zone, or are you getting them to swing and miss on your pitches in the zone? And it's it's something that does make a difference. It makes a dramatic difference.
1: And again, not that every pitch that you get a swing and miss on in the zone in triple A is going to work in the big league, but that works it's much generally better an indicator sometimes yeah of some that type. works i agree completely that is it gives you a much better indicator than a guy if you have an absolutely filthy slider you may you will still get some swings and misses out of the zone but what will happen is is you're getting swings and misses out of the zone because well the first thing is is can you get ahead counts cuz even even big league hitters if you're sitting if you can go you know fastball 01 fastball 02 and then you throw a slider, it looks like a fastball that dies out of the zone. Okay, well, that big difference from are you going 1-0, you know, oh. Oh. Oh, oh, I don't care how good your slider is, is that you just had to put it in your back pocket at that point. Right. And that's, again, it's funny you got to talk to Blake Snell about this because he's seen it. Blake Snell couldn't be touched last year. Could not be touched last year. And had really, it, there was nothing left for Blake Snell to learn in the minors. I mean, there's just just—he's been a long time in AAA. The Rays been the Rays keep their guys in the minors as pitchers, pitchers especially, longer than most teams. And Snell still, even with that, doesn't it's mean he wasn't up. able to step in and, and contribute.
2: But he don't dominate. He's right, been up and down. You know, he had a run of really good starts, then a horrible August where he got hit for a 390 clip. You know, with a almost a 1,000 OPS over four starts, and then he comes back. You know, and has a nice outing and. You know, again and, and that was the thing I kept talking about is you know, look, my stuff's the same, I didn't change my mechanics, you know, nothing changed. I just I got smarter and there's that's the type of thing you can't replicate really until you get to the big well, leagues.
1: The other thing that nowadays is true is is that again, unless if you're a role as chapman and you wanna go and you have a hundred and three <laughs> mile an hour fastball, you don't necessarily have to change your approach from a time that you, you know, from game to game. But everyone else, unless your stuff is simply so good that it doesn't matter if they okay, it's a, in this situation he's throwing me this and I can't hit it. If that's not the case, advanced scouting, pitch effects, everything out there now is so much that okay, I'm gonna watch the last ten at bats that he's had, you know, last hundred at bats he's had against right-handed hitters where he got to an O2 count. What does he throw? And you have it there. Well, you can't do the same thing. You know, we, we used to always talk about as pitchers, you know, you can't do the same thing the first time through the order as the second time through the order. Nowadays, you can't do the same thing that you did to another team, not this team, but to another Restart's team to three go. starts ago <laughs> because they're on top of it. Right. And that's the thing. I, the, the, the point, counterpoint that you see, always have seen in baseball has been amped up because... There is much, much more information out there now than there was 10 years ago. Yeah,
2: no, absolutely. And and I think that's part of why we see some of the younger guys, you know, it's a little rockier. And, and you know, getting back to the minor league all-star team, I mean, you look at Brock Stewart's a guy. You mentioned guys who might not have been these elite prospects. But we saw a number of guys take jumps forward. And I think it's a testament to, oh, yeah, by the way, guys do get better. I think sometimes people fall into the trap of, Oh, he was a X round pick, that is what he is, and he's never gonna be any better than that. Well, we're sold him on Brock Stewart's stuff in command is all better than he was when he signed. Exactly. But he was a
1: third baseman closer when exactly. he signed. It's exactly. a different guy.
2: Exactly. And that's the thing. There's always cases where hey, these guys do. Brandon, Brandon Woodruff. You know, even Chance Adams, he was a reliever. I right. mean I mean all these guys got better. Brandon Woodruff better. was too. I mean the
1: interesting thing is is that when you look at our our Minor League All Star team—the guys who had the best seasons in the minors that we saw among prospects. Because again, we don't—you know—I don't think Jose Martinez made our first team last year. He <laughs> set a PCL batting record because he was older right. and all that. But we have five starting pitchers on the on the first team. The interesting thing about it is is that Chance Adams, Brock Stewart, and Brandon Woodruff—three of those five—are college pitchers. Who were not primarily starting pitchers in college,
2: and fifth rounder later because it was a a fifth, a sixth, and eleventh, I believe.
1: Yeah, I mean, this is kind of crazy (laughs) stuff. I mean, it really is.
2: Brandon Woodruff is a guy who
1: took a big step forward this year. Has always had potential, but this is the year that it all kind of came together, and really came together partly through tragedy. He lost his uh, brother in a tragic ATV accident. Fought. I mean, you know, you don't fight through that. I guess in really ways, you you deal with that as best you can. But as he did that, he went out and
2: dominated this year.
1: And again, that is the sign we say about people guys get better. Brandon Woodruff got better.
2: Brock Stewart got better. I remember seeing him, you know, in Cow League and a just different pitcher just kept getting it wasn't there very long, but you saw it and then all of a sudden even in Triple A, the guy when I was watching him when he came up with the Dodgers was a different guy even than what started the you know April with Ranch Cucamonga. I mean you could just yeah. see it.
1: That's the story I've got that I'm working on, is is that the Dodgers this year graduated Julio Urias, graduated Kenta Maeda, which by our standards, he was, he was rookie eligible, so he was in the book. You know, he, The Dodgers get credit for him as a prospect coming into the year. They traded away Jarrell Cotton. They traded away Frankie Montas. They traded away Grant Holmes. That is, uh, coming into the year, that is essentially five of their top seven pitching prospects. The other ones that you could throw in there, Jose de Leon, who you've already mentioned, and Yadier Alvarez, who they signed in the offseason out of Cuba five of their seven are no longer there and the Dodgers still have a very deep I I think that they have a very deep minor league pitching staff
2: I keep telling everyone who will listen Trevor Oaks is legit I am telling I've been trying to tell everyone for two years now you know my favorite uh, I was talking with uh, he's another guy got better a lot better better. my favorite Trevor Oaks story I was talking with a long-time pitching coach, manager in the big leagues. He's now doing some some scouting. And I mentioned I made a comment to the effect of, you know, hey, Oaks is really holding his own. And the guy looks at me and says, well, it's easy to hold your own when you've got good stuff. And he's got good stuff. I mean, he's not just a pitchability right. guy. He's got
1: three, his, three good pitches it, across it, the board. He, he really does. I, mean, that, I do think right now, I mean, this is a long ways away, but I think that the Dodgers' high-class A affiliate, Rancho, assuming I think they've already locked up again for next. But Rancho Cucamonga. Should enter the year if everyone stays healthy, with the best pitching staff in the
2: minors because they will have. I think like Elsinore I might give him a run for their money with Anderson Espinoza, Jacob Nix, Logan Allen, potentially Cal Quantrill. But I guess that's a good. That's a good one. Yeah, Eric right, Lauer, maybe. That's
1: the funny <laughs> thing about that is is that maybe, and the funny thing also about that is is that that right there because, Kyle, we we throw him the deep end. We gave him the Cali to do, and the Cali top twenty this year ways away, but. Pretty thin. <laughs> that right there, and then you say the Rancho staff. The Rancho staff, <coughs> you're looking at Walker Bueller, Mitchell White. Mitchell White. Yadier Alvarez. Yadier Alvarez. Uh, uh, AJ
2: Puckett. No, Puckett's the Royals. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry.
1: Um, no, uh, there's two more. There's two more. Uh, Dennis Santana, who's an interesting sleeper who was in Great Lakes this year. And Bueller. there's one other guy coming who... I'll, I'll, I'll think... I'll think of, it, but it's a five-man rotation. It's all five legit prospects. It's again that right there. Those ten pitchers right there is better. That's right there is
2: better than the Cal League top twenty is going to be this year by by a pretty large margin. Yeah, yeah, it was not a great year for the league, but that's why there are no Cal League uh, members on our minor league All-Star team this year. Not on the first team, no. Yeah, um, I think you know one guy who might have had an argument was Luis Ortiz, but not in a year where there's so many deep pitching. Although he's right, done the tough very thing well. about
1: that is Mancada, got Mankata, you know, because you're really talking second baseman, and you got Mancada, And then Ozzie Albies ends up being like he really legitimately qualifies as a second because he slugged to second. And you're your Southern League batting champ in a league. You want to talk about a league where it was really hard to hit. Yeah. He was one of two guys who hit over 300 in that league. And I believe Tyler O'Neill may have been the only guy in that league to sled 500. I believe that's correct. That's it's not just the FSL where it's crazy hard to hit. The Southern oh League has reached that as well. Yeah. But, well, I hate to wrap this up, but unfortunately I've got ahead head now, and so we're not going to have Kyle do this, just sit here and run solo. But for Kyle Glazer and John Manuel, I'm JJ Cooper. Thanks for listening to another edition of the Baseball America Podcast.
0: This concludes our program. Want more in-depth baseball coverage?
1: Be a better fan. Visit BaseballAmerica.com to get more comprehensive baseball coverage.